We say things this time of year, don't we? Like land of the free and home of the brave. And we celebrate it, don't we? We celebrate it in days like the 4th of July, let's say. And fireworks and celebrations and gatherings. Land of the free, we say. Home of the brave. I want to talk about freedom. Maybe in a little different context this morning, I want to walk you through uh, really the book of Galatians as a whole this morning uh, as we talk about uh, this idea of freedom. Uh, All you have to do is people watch for just a little while and understand what freedom is, right? Uh, Anybody else out there really enjoy people watching? People are funny. And, And I love watching them. It's great. Like, maybe one of my favorite times is when I'm stuck in an airport sometime and I can just sit somewhere and watch the people go by, you know, Uh, especially like a busy airport, you know. Uh, I think one of the funniest things I ever saw was this woman. It was in Atlanta, and, uh, I mean, she was obviously in a big hurry, but she had heels like this running through an airport. And I thought, man, you are free to take those off. We're free to do all sorts of things. We're free to wear the clothes that we want to wear. Well, we're free to have like different cell phone covers. Uh, you can tell a lot by a person by the cell phone cover. Did, did you know that? I mean, like if you're over a certain age, you don't put your cell phone in your pocket or like back here. You have a clip, right? <laughs> Trust me on this. It's true. It's true. Uh, we, have, we have all kinds of different expressions that we're free to, to go about. We have worship expressions. Some of us are, uh, you know, we, we like to, we want, we just, we sense it when we're singing those songs that Josh leads us in, right? I mean, we want to just raise our hands. We're like, God, just give me. And some of us are like, I am not going to do that. We're, we're free to do that. We're free to, to have these worship expressions. Uh, we're free in our music. Some of us uh, some of us still, uh, we're, we're clinging, right, uh, to, that, to that old audio cassette player. And uh, you just can't quite get rid of it. And yet some of us are like, uh, it's definitely an iPod, iPod Nano for me, right? And you have gone digital. We have all sorts of freedoms all over the place. And here's the greatest part about it. God accepts us. And early on in the book of Galatians, uh, in chapter 2, verse 20, if you want to follow along in, in your Bibles, we're going to be in Galatians today. Um, it's right before Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians. If you want to follow along in the Pew Bible, it's about page 812. In Galatians 2.20, uh, it's glorious verse. It's, it's an incredible statement. Uh, by Paul about who God is for you and I uh, in the freedoms that we have, in the different people that we are. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now, the life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now get this. Who get this. this is the crazy part. All of that is true. I've been crucified with Christ. I don't live, I live by faith in the Son of God. This is the part that gets me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. He he loves you. Insert your name there. Who loved Mike, who loved Dave, who loved Dan, who loved JoLynn, 
who loved Kristen and gave himself for me. See, the greatest part is we have all of these freedoms. We're very different people. Uh, We have very different tastes and many different things. And yet, he has accepted us. Uh, I brought in this living room chair. You see, uh, we get accepted. We get to sit in the living room of God's grace. He invites us in. He says, come on in. Have a chair. Kick back and relax for a while. I am giving you refrigerator rights in my house. That's what Galatians 2.20 is all about. We're very different people in very different neighborhoods who, who go about operating in very different ways. But he has said, you are my kids, and you can come into my living room anytime. I mean, Paul says it eloquently. If you flip over to chapter 3 in verse 26, he says it so well, better than I can. He says, uh, verse 26, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, who have been baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with him. There's not Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, male for all are one in Christ. For if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to his promise. You get to come in, you get to be kids. God's kids. If I were to hashtag this, those of you, some of you are not tweeters. Some of you should be tweeters. I would hashtag it this way. We are one weird herd. We are. It's true. But for all of us, we're accepted and God says, you get to be my kids. And for those of us who are part of that herd, For those of us who are here, for those of us who understand what it's like to sit in the living room of God's grace, uh, Paul establishes in Galatians this this, uh, agenda of freedom. In chapter 5, verse 1, he says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. We have the freedom, folks, to live with the Spirit of God in such a way that just simply following the rules could never afford us. We have a freedom with the Spirit of God living in us. Uh, Grasp this now. We have the freedom with the Spirit of God living in us that the law could never afford. Just following the rules isn't good enough. But the Spirit of God living in us allows us a freedom that the law couldn't, couldn't touch. Now, this Spirit... This spirit is the same spirit that was there in Genesis at the very beginning when there was nothing and God created something and there was a spirit there hovering over the waters of the deep. That's the kind of spirit we're talking about. Uh, The kind of spirit that I'm talking about that offers the kind of freedom uh, that Paul is getting at here is is the kind of spirit, is the spirit. And not only that was there in Genesis, but it's the one that Jesus talked about when he got his disciples together and said, hey gang, I'm coming back. And and I promise in the meantime, there's going to be someone there with you, in you. And that's the spirit that I'm talking about. The spirit that offers the kind of freedom that Paul is talking about in Galatians. Now here's the thing about freedom. I think freedom oftentimes for Paul is misunderstood. Oftentimes in my, uh, my ministry experience over the years, uh, oftentimes I, I hear people uh, coming back to Galatians and coming back to uh, the other letters of Paul and, and talking about uh, Paul's agenda of freedom. 
Uh, but they often misuse this idea of freedom, like freedom is a permission slip to do whatever they want to do. Like as if uh, freedom is a permission slip uh, just to push the boundaries of what's acceptable. Uh, think about it this way. Uh, some say, well, I'm free to have this drink and have it often. Some say, I'm free to go to that movie. I'm free to say whatever words uh, that I can possibly think of. Uh, I mean, after all, a word's right. Language is just a cultural construct anyway. Paul used strong language in some of his words, so why can't I? Freedom is misunderstood. The problem is that freedom here in this text is, is not a license, gang. It's not a license to go and see and hear and talk and watch and eat and drink and wear whatever I want uh, just so, because I want it. We can't trivialize God's freedom just to justify anything that we want. Paul says so much in, in Galatians 5.13. He says, uh, hey, wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. Freedom isn't freedom to sin. It's not freedom to go about and do whatever you want. Notice what he says. He says, brothers and sisters, we're called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Wait, wait a minute. You can't just go about indulging the flesh just because you want to. Now, now, now get this. Get this. Notice the last part in verse 13. He says, rather serve one another in love. Wait, wait a minute. What is this freedom that we have? When we're called into the living room of God's grace and we're given a freedom in the spirit that just simply following the rules could never afford, what kind of freedom is it that God gives us? It's freedom. Now get this. It's freedom to submit. I am free now to submit so that I can love and serve others at the highest possible capacity. Do you get that? I'm not free to go out and do whatever I want just because uh, Paul says uh, Christ has set me free. I am free now to submit so that I can love and serve others at the highest possible capacity. Uh, that's what this is all about. Uh, I've been married to my wife now almost 17 years. She deserves a medal. She's a beautiful woman. And the greatest part about this freedom is that within the confines of this relationship, Within the boundaries that we have set in this relationship, there is real freedom. I have freedom in submission to the relationship. I have submission emotionally to be most who I am with my wife because I am free to be fully me in that relationship. I submit to the relationship. I am free to be... A, a, uh, 100% spiritually transparent with my bride within the relationship because I'm willing to submit to the boundaries of the relationship. Physically, intimately, I am, I am able to give myself fully within the bounds of the relationship. You see, freedom exists within submission. And when I follow Christ... There is full freedom. I am able to be most who I want to be in Christ when I submit myself to the relationship that Christ is offering. I submit myself to love 
and to serve others at the highest possible capacity. And the Spirit of God affords me that freedom. Uh, Notice uh, chapter 5, verse 6. He says at at the very end of this verse, he says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Gang, you have been set free within the confines of the relationship with Christ, set free in the Spirit of God to love and serve others at the highest possible capacity. Now, uh, you need to know about me. I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm, you already know this about me, okay? I'm kind of a geek. Okay, I am a geek. But I'm kind of a church history guy. I enjoy church history. And, and there were some times where I really got in and I was reading uh, guys that had gone a long time ago and, and guys that, like, uh, because of their relationship with God, decided I'm going to go out and live in the desert just to, to say, uh, you know, like, I want to, to make sure that this relationship with God is, is absolutely number one. So I began reading some of these. And, and over and over again, these guys talk about this word, contemplation. And when we talk about contemplation, when you and I talk about contemplation, oftentimes like, I'll hear a student say, like, I'm really contemplating this. And what we mean by contemplation is uh, contemplation is thinking about something really, 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 really hard. But that's not really what they meant. What they meant about contemplation was finding God and joining him where he was in doing God's stuff. That's what they meant by contemplation. I was reading a book fairly recently uh, by Peter Scazzaro in his book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he writes this chapter in contemplative spirituality. Let Let me let you in on what he says. He says, contemplative spirituality moves us along toward a more mature relationship with Jesus. We progress from give me, give me, give me, an attitude of a small child to a more mature way of relating where we delight in being with God as our Father. The Spirit of God has unleashed on the life of the believer in an unparalleled way the kind of freedom that we have in ministry to go about looking into the lives of other people and loving and serving them. We get to join God in what he is doing, because the Spirit of God is living in us. Nothing else touches that. Now, I'm, I'm 36 years old, so this phrase is a little bit old, okay? But I'm going to use it anyway. I'm just going to say, in the life of the believer, the Spirit is off the chain, folks. The Spirit is off the chain. Uh, we get the kind of freedom that the Spirit affords us to love and to serve other people. So the question seems to be this. How do we use our newfound freedom? How is it that we go about using the freedom that the Spirit affords to us? And I was reading Galatians 5 and 6, and I was wrestling through this I really was expecting that after Paul talks about this amazing freedom that that the Spirit of God offers to the life of the people who are willing to submit their life in this relationship with Jesus, that he was going to launch off in how Spirit-filled people can go about reaching lost people, right? Uh, Like people who have never known Jesus. But he doesn't. 
He goes about talking about how spirit-filled people can save the church. I want you to notice what he says. Check out, check out verse 1 in chapter 6. He says, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. He's addressing the church, gang. If someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual need to restore him. It's here where things get really interesting. What is our role? How do we go about offering this freedom to other people? Think about it like a trash can. I have a trash can up here on stage. And just think about the trash can as someone that you know. Not just someone, someone in the church. Someone who knows Jesus. Uh, and think about it as someone that you know who's wrestling with greed. Uh, there's no contentment as a part of their life. They, they're wrestling constantly with more. Uh, they constantly want more. And, and their life, their entire life is, is really just crumpled up in greed. Uh, maybe it's someone who is wrestling with pride. Maybe they really do expect you to address them as master. <laughs> right? Maybe they look at you consistently and there is just an arrogance about their life. And it looks just as dirty and smelly and stinky and it is crumpled up and that's supposed to go in. <laughs> and it just looks like a trash can. And maybe it's someone who wrestles with gossip. And they're all over, uh, not just the physical gossip that happens uh, sometimes between one cubicle and another, uh, but it's the kind of gossip that, that ends up on Facebook and Twitter, and it hurts people. And their tongue is just cutting, and, and they just their, their lives are crumpled up in this sin, and and maybe it's someone who just wrestles with jealousy and, and, and they just, uh, they're just constantly looking at others and they're jealous and how come and why not? And, and you can probably add to that list of sins. I mean, Paul does it in 519. You can look at that list and add to it your own. You know the kinds of sins that are out there that, that are not just for those who are outside of these walls, but for those who are right here sitting and who are on stage. You know the kinds of sins that I'm talking about. You begin to see why this is so interesting, because Paul is looking at us, gang, and he is saying, what kinds of sins are there in your brothers and sisters that you know about and what kind of freedom you have in, in going to them and loving them and serving them in the midst of their sin. You see, it's here where brothers and sisters are caught in sin, whether it's jealousy or gossip or pride, that we have the freedom to love and serve them 
You see, it's here where brothers and sisters are, who are caught in sin is where uh, the freedom that the Spirit affords to us is confronted by our ability to take them back and live in the grace that God allows us when we sit in his living room. That's the kind of freedom that he's talking about. And when we're faced with trash can kind of people in our midst, you know what we like to do? It's what I like to do when Simon's had one too many poopy diapers. I don't want to touch that. In fact, I'm going to move away from it. I'm going to disengage myself. I'm going to move away I'm, I'm not going to talk really to them anymore. Uh, they'll get their stuff figured out, but I don't really want to messy my hands in that. You see, we have the freedom given by the Spirit in an unparalleled way. It's the Spirit off the chain, remember? The kind of freedom to go and to get our hands dirty. 6.1 in Galatians is a story of the sin that has been uncovered. It's the gossip that has been witnessed. It's the porn addiction that's been uncovered. It's the jealousy that turns to rage. It's the disagreement that shows up in bitterness and hatred. It's the story of us who have been caught in the act. We've been red-handed. Several years ago, uh, this was several years ago, I was in college. I was a freshman in college. And so I'm telling you, I was a freshman in college freshman in college, sometimes I've learned this, not only of my own experience, but uh, in the experience of others. Sometimes we just don't think about some things. I was going into a uh, Jolyn was gone. She should have been there because uh, had she been there, she would have stopped me from doing what I was about to do. I went over to this house uh, of some friends of ours uh, who said, you can come over and do laundry anytime. Here's the key. I thought, great. So she was gone. I thought, I'm going to really impress my fiance, uh, and she's going to be impressed that I wash my own laundry. This is going to be really good. She's going to come back and go, wow. And so I went over, and uh, I had the key. Now, this is the key part of the story. I had the key, folks. I could open the door. So I do the thing. You know, I go to the door. I ring the doorbell, see if anyone is home. No one's there, or so I thought. The, uh, the screen door is locked. Well, the screen door doesn't have a key. But I have a key to the door that's on the other side of the screen door. So I'm thinking, like any good college freshman would, well, I have a screwdriver in the back of the car. So I go, I get my screwdriver, I start unlatching the screen door. I mean, I take the hinges off the screen door because my goal is to do my laundry. I think this is very logical. You'll never guess what happens. I take the screen door off, and the door opens. I was caught red-handed. Now, maybe you've not caught anybody red-handed taking off your screen door. But you know of people who have been caught red-handed. Maybe you have caught them red-handed in the act of a sin and in that moment, you have a decision to make. How are you going to exercise the freedom that the Spirit of God gives you? 
Are you going to look at them like maybe we look at a, a stinky trash can and begin to walk away and disengage? Or are you going to try and love them and serve them at the highest possible capacity? Freedom. Freedom, the kind that the Spirit offers us, prompts us toward a response. I was wrestling with this text. I was sitting in bed like, what, what am I going to do with this? How does this come together? And it dawned on me what Paul does in Galatians. You see, at the beginning of Galatians, uh, Paul confronts Peter. And we're not talking about just any other Peter. We're talking about the Apostle Peter, like, like the guy that was with Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. Like when Jesus like uh, rips open everything and says, hey, look, I'm God. Peter's there. That's the Peter that Paul confronts in the beginning of Galatians. And I had always read it, like, like, like Paul goes to Peter, like red-faced and angry and like pointing his finger and yelling loudly, like, get behind me, Satan, kind of thing, right? I had always read it that way, and, and yet I was confronted with the text. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul says... That when we go to restore a brother or sister, when we go to love and serve them, when they have been caught in sin, he says this. He says, carry each other's burdens, and in this you will fulfill the law of Christ. He says, if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself, and each one should test his own actions and take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. He says, restore him gently. Wait a minute, wait a minute. In verses 2 and 3, he, he gives this idea of helpfulness and humility. He says, hey, it's not about pride, it's not about you. He says, but if you, if you want to do this, this freedom thing well, you've got to restore them gently. Now, this isn't in the text. But how long, how long did Paul pray before he went to Peter? How many hours was he on his face before God, before he walked in the room where he knew Peter was going to be? I don't think that Paul was angry. I don't think he was red-faced. Given what he tells us later, I think... He comes in and he puts his hand around Peter. And he says, Peter, we got some stuff we got to talk about. There's a couple people in my life that I would want to confront me. I don't ever want to be in a situation where I cause someone, another believer in Jesus, uh, angst to having to come to confront me. Uh, but if I ever am, one of the guys that I would think that I might want to come to me is a guy like Dan Neldeberg. 
I've been around Dan now for a while. Dan, I don't think I've ever seen Dan get angry. I don't think I've seen him yell. If ever I had to be confronted, I want a guy like Dan to come and see me. Because he recognizes the living room that he sits in. And he knows the kind of freedom that he has. You see, gang, when we have the freedom to talk to brothers and sisters who are caught in the midst of sin, we do it with fear and trembling. So that when we come alongside of them and call, call them to restoration, they want to follow us through the door. How do you use your freedom? Will you use it so that people that you know will follow you? You see, the goal is restoration. We want them to follow us so they can be restored. Now recognize, recognize this. Sin still has consequences. Sin still has consequences. I can hear some of you say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't dismiss everybody's sin. We can't just, we can't just love them and serve them so that sin no longer matters. No, sin matters, absolutely. We are accepted and we are accountable. But we are still called to free in our freedom to love other people. If a parent, every time that their child messed up, uh, forego any discipline at all, the restoration would never happen. Uh, think about it this way. When David committed sin with Bathsheba, when he had adulterous affair with her, he prayed endlessly uh, that the conceived son that they had would live. But God did not grant his request. It was through the consequence that David was restored. The nation of Israel was forced into the wilderness. They were driven into exile for their idolatry against God. And he would not release them from exile. But you need to know it was exile that restored them to who God was. It was exile that brought them back into relationship you see, our job in this freedom that we offer to other people, our job is not to labor for their release. Our job is to labor for their restoration, to bring them back. A couple things. If you want a brother or sister who's caught in sin to come back, you have to be close enough to make a difference. You can't walk away. You can't disengage. You have to call them and text them and, you know, FaceTime them or Skype them, whatever it is that you need to do. You need to be committed not just to notice them, but you need to be convicted to walk beside them. You know someone there? Walk beside them. Otherwise, you don't have a voice and you don't have any right to try and restore them. 
If you want a brother or sister to be restored because of a sin in their life, then you have to remember the living room that you sit in. You remember God's living room? It's a living room of God's grace. You get to sit in God's living room not because you are so good. You get to sit in God's living room because he's so good. Not because you followed all the rules. Not because you got everything right. Uh, but because God cares for you that much. Remember Galatians six or uh, 2.20? I've been crucified with Christ. And he loves me. And you can remind them, you know what? God forgave me. And he can forgive you. Many years ago, in fact, 1850 was the year Nathaniel Hawthorne published a book called The Scarlet Letter. It's the story of a young woman, and it's, uh, her name is Hester Prine. And she's found guilty of adultery, and now she has to wear the scarlet letter A on her dress. And she is ridiculed and humiliated over and over and over again. And we as a church... We have to be willing to say no more scarlet letters. There are no more scarlet letters here because we've all worn it. Several weeks ago when I was here, many of you uh, from Celebrate Recovery stood up and courageously crossed the stage and uh, told your stories of brokenness. And let me just say this. I'm one of you. I'm broken. And the only reason I get to sit in the living room of God's grace is because he's good to me. And he's willing to let me return. You want to use your freedom well? Use it to restore a brother and then say this, welcome back. Let's go sit in the living room. Let's pray. Gracious God, you're good to us. Better than we deserve. You're a good God. Help us to serve you in loving people at the highest possible capacity. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.